What's up, everything? This podcast has been postponed. Just kidding. We're not like the NHL. We'd never do that to you. The world has learned a lot this week. That Patrick Wine and Pierre-Luc Dubois are roughly the same player. That Alex Petrangelo has the coronavirus. That Jordan Cairo is a golden Greek god. And we've all learned what short-selling is. We're long the St. Louis Blues and short Jim Rutherford, so let's get started. And let's go stonks. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Thursday, January twenty eighth, and I am talking to the GameStop God King, Ian Peters. Ian, how many shares did you own before this evening? Uh, as he I, turns his computer menacingly towards me, I owned um, very little. And by very little, I mean none. Um, I own none, and I, I still own none. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would wish I owned some, but not now. You know, well, that's how it works. No, well, unless, but if, uh, what unless, if it isn't? Unless the price goes higher and higher, man. What a wild ride. I like that I can go to Reddit and read things, and then I can go to like Twitter and see that they're talking about Reddit, and I can turn on NPR <laughs> and hear that they're talking about Reddit or anything. It's, it's fun when the internet infects the real life. Yeah, it's one of those, uh, it's, uh, I saw a, a picture today, it was an article from Market Watch, and, and somebody was tweeting, one of the best consequences of this whole thing is that serious journalists now have to treat Reddit usernames as, as a real thing, <laughs> and it was an article on Market Watch that was like, according to user Thick Boy Dad Bod. <laughs> That's a real man. These uh, yeah. real oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. I don't, it's, I've got so many feelings. This isn't a stock podcast, but it's just going to come and go in this episode, I feel like, because it's crazy. Well, that's our other podcast. It's two guys, one short. There we go. Oh, yes, exactly. Go check it out over there. But um, it's also been a crazy week in the hockey world. This is just a week. I did, this episode could be cram jam full, as Mary Berry would say, of, uh, you know, goodness and content because we've got a lot to cover. Um, you know, we saw the Pierre-Luc Dubois-Patrick Wine trade, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about earlier, which I cannot make my mind up on, um, in terms of what I think or how I feel. I don't think either player has played for his new team yet, have they? I don't think so. Um, because I know Dubois in quarantine, and I think Wine's got visa stuff to work out, and, um... straight ever. The what? The longest trade ever. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Still happening. Uh, yeah, it could could always be happening. Um, and then you know the Blues have had several games and now a postponement. Let's let's start there because I think you and I were both excited for tonight's game. We were going to watch it, and you know whether it was a, a continuation of our trend of disappointing in the second half of back, well, not back to backs of these weird little Subway Series two thousand twenty twenty one. 
uh, situations we found ourselves in. If we continued our trend, we could have come in here and have one of our, you know, very angry podcasts. Um, and if we'd done really well, we would have been a super happy podcast. And now we're just kind of weirdly stuck in the middle, not knowing exactly what to think about this team. But, um, I mean, I guess, you know, I don't know. Don't really want to ask how do you feel about the postponement because it sucks as a hockey fan i love it i of course you know it is uh, brutally ironic that it's petro that apparently is the player that was put on the covid list but of course i don't actually wish alex petrangelo any ill and i hope he recovers slowly (laughs) oh man that's such a uh, that's so unfortunate, especially because he has like kids at home and you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Where it's like, man, they just gotta gotta be extra careful. And I'm sure he was, but it's one of those things where their coaching staff had it. Their entire NHL coaching staff couldn't even play or couldn't even coach or whatever. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, maybe he caught it from them. Who knows? Could be. Yeah, it was weird to see Kelly McCrimmon. You may want to move your mic just a little closer to your face there because you're a little quiet. But it was <laughs> so much better. Uh, it was weird to see Kelly McCrimmon as the head coach of the team in our game. And like Joel Ward is apparently one of their AHL co- coaches, which has got to be the best job in NHL coaching. Joel hey, Ward is? Yeah, they weird. mentioned, hey, you want to be in a suburb of Las Vegas just coaching an AHL team? And it's like, sure, I'll do that for how much? They're like, I don't know, $120,000. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'll do whatever, baby. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, best best wishes uh, temporarily to the Golden Knights organization. Hope that the cases are contained and that they can keep playing. And, you know, we get to remake, make up that game at some point. Um, it was exciting to see the the first game as, as chaotic and back and forth and crazy as it was. And I think, uh, you know, it's been an exciting week to be a Blues fan if if perhaps a bit of a, a disappointing or confusing, I guess, is a better word for it, one. Uh, let's start with the games. We've got some players to talk about, too, of course. But um, let's start with going all the way back to Saturday, where we watched this together at your house. I met we your did. second dog. That seems like... I don't know, what, two months ago? <laughs> I forgot. I knew you came over to watch a game. I forgot that this was that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's never do it again. Yeah. It was a win. Yeah, hey, let's do it as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a good performance from the Blues. You saw Tori Krug score his first goal on the power play. It was just like all the things you needed, just bam, bam. Not that you... Really, I mean, Krug, as many points as he gets, isn't really a goal scorer. Mm. Probably like 10 or less a season most of the time, like 7 to 10, I would wager, is his average. But still, it's nice to see him get off the schneid uh, in the best way possible. Um, (laughs) Speaking of on the schneid, Vince Dunn scored a second goal. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was the Blues' first power play goal of the season in game, what was that, four? Five? five? Game five. Uh, so that's not ideal. Um, the uh, Kings answered from Adrian Kempe, then Dunn scored, then Thomas scored 3-1. to one. Uh, Dustin Brown scored late in the third to make it 3-2. to two. That was a power play goal. One of our many power play opportunities surrendered, but our penalty kill was good. Um, and then Jaden Schwartz scored uh, the empty netter at the very end uh, to 
you know, seal a game that was already sealed and, and win 4-2. But it was his first goal of the season, too. Got him uh, going a little bit. And, you know, it's you'd love to come in and just dominate the Kings. But it was a fine game, I felt like. I mean, overall, the Corsi 4 uh, was, you know, pretty decidedly in the Kings' favor at even strength. Um, uh, as were the expected goals opportunities, but... Uh, we did have the PowerPoint goal on, on two chances, and that made a lot of the difference here. Ten penalty minutes, five power plays surrendered still. I mean, that's, I don't what's going on with that? I think they talk about it in this game or after this game or maybe it was the next game, but um, it just, they don't seem to be able to get a handle on it. And mm-hmm. I know that Bruby and them talk about having some, some crappy calls in the last game against Vegas, and we'll talk about it, but they do we do just take a lot of penalties and a lot of them are on us you know yeah. i mean it's like i've seen a lot where it's Braden Shem falling down and he loses the puck and he goes no as i'm falling down let me just see where i can slow that guy up and it's mm-hmm. like that's always going to be a hook or that's yeah. always going to be a trip or whatever and it's just i think it's just guys getting frustrated i mm-hmm. mean it makes sense to me they're not playing particularly well so they're going to get frustrated, so they're going to take penalties. Yeah. So really, I think you clean it up by just playing a better game, mm-hmm. um, and it takes care of itself. But thus far, I think their best game has still been uh, game number one, where they also, I think, didn't even take that many penalties yeah. to start. So I think if they just clean up their game overall, the easy answer is that. But I don't know. We've also had a couple too many men penalties mm-hmm. as well. Um, Which is a constant. Yeah, just like undisciplined stuff. And I know like Ruby and I'm just talking about like, I think he's like, you know, you got to talk to the players about it. He's like, I don't know what else I can do <laughs> to make them not take penalties out there. Yeah. I mean, I do have sympathy to him. At the end of the day, he can't go not hook people, you know? <laughs> so I don't, I can't really, that doesn't feel like something you can really blame on him. I think... You know, it's a bit of an effort thing, too. And I'm the effort's been better in some of these games overall. But the reality is you're taking penalties when you're out of position mm-hmm. and you're making desperate plays. You know, there was one call. I don't know if it was in this game or, or the other game, but there was some, some call on Ryan O'Reilly kind of entering our zone where he sort of tapped a guy from behind. And it was a, a pretty weak for a hook yeah. call or whatever it was. But I tweeted something about when he's taking penalties, you know it's a bad sign. And somebody said, well, yeah, but it's a weak call. And it's like, yeah, I agree with that. But also, that's still kind of like, that's still the point. If you put your stick in a guy's midsection, that can always be a call, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, like, he's, O'Reilly's still out of position. He's still reaching out with his stick and putting it in a place where he knows it shouldn't be and it got called this time and that the whole point is that with O'Reilly that kind of stuff almost never happens mm-hmm. you get the benefit of the doubt on the few that you maybe do throughout a season if you never do that to begin with and he usually doesn't so like you know I'm not I don't know it's not kind of total panic mode yet with the penalties but it's certainly a concern um, when you're taking four or five a game. I mean, that's too many. <laughs> that's just too many. Especially when you can't consistently answer on your power plays opportunities. In this game, we did. And our penalty kill has looked pretty good, other than the game against uh, Colorado. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, it, it's certainly a problem. Certainly something you've got to worry about. Any other thoughts from this game? Jordan Cairo for once, did not record a point. That would not be a problem going 
going forward. Um, but uh, anything else in this game that really stuck out to you? Um, I mean, I think overall, even though our defense is kind of still crummy, I think it was still one of our better defensive efforts overall. I mean, keeping the Kings to 23 shots on goal is pretty good. Um, I think when we were in our zone, we were actually able to set up pretty well, and we looked competent in getting the puck out, uh, which is low praise, but pretty high mm-hmm. for this team uh, this season. So I got to give them, got to give them credit for that. I know the Kings ended up having a greater Corsi 4. Um, it looks like 1-5-1-5 five, five and everything when everything was said and done. But I think the Blues still played a pretty good defensive game, especially if you're giving the Kings five power plays and you only let him, only let him win 80% on your PK. You know, that's that's not too bad overall, given how many opportunities you gave him. Um, but yeah, I thought, sadly, this was like one of their better games. Even though it wasn't a very good game overall, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but it was the first game in the series, so it was a win, and uh, that's all you can ask for in the first game of these series. Yeah, and that is uh, that has been a uh, problem for the Blues as it was again here. Uh, the Blues get obliterated in the second game of this series. Braden Shin does score the opener, and at this point, I'm feeling great. I'm thinking Blues are going to win this game. We're going to win two in a row. I'm going to feel so good. Get see this a lot. Yeah, get you some see momentum. This a lot from different teams. They score the first goal, and mm-hmm. depending on what side you're on, you're like, well, game over. Yep. If, I suppose if you're us, I don't want to yeah. pin our pessimism on anyone <laughs> else. But if you're us, you're like, if, I, if Alex Ifalo scores that first goal, you're like, well, Blues are done. <laughs> yeah, yep. But yeah, Braden Shen, I was feeling the same way. I was like, man, all right, here we go. Here we go. We're. We're starting off strong. We haven't scored the first goal in a lot of our games. At least the first, like, three, I want to mm-hmm. say. So it's like, all right, good signs, good signs. Yeah, uh, Alex Iofalo does score the next goal on the power play. Not quite a hot dog moment, but, you know, pretty bad. Um, and then Carl Grunstrom, this is the one where he just skated Vince Dunn, right? I mean, it, it was a great individual effort yeah, by Carl move. Grunstrom, but Dunn certainly got turnstiled. Um, it did not look good. He it was like not his last bad play in this one either. He's trying to go for like the sweep with his stick. Mm-hmm. He also looks like he might be trying to play the body. Yeah, you can just whoop. make a decision for sure. You got to commit to that. You got to commit, you know, probably to the body and just hold him off there and mm-hmm. let the puck get to Bennington. But he didn't. Uh, Gabe Velarde and Andre Kopitar score in, uh, you know, kind of the middle of the second period to give the Kings a four to one lead. At that point, pretty much over. Um, which of these was the other done goal? So I, was bad. I don't know if it was either of those two or was the Elias Anderson one. It might have been the Anderson one, yeah. yeah. Um, but there was a, th- a second done goal. Um, Andre Kopitar, by the end of this game, already had 10 points in the season. Nuts. He's really uh, good on that bad team. Yeah, he's quite good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was another point where Dunn really just looked out of Ooh. position and lost. And it's the, it's the um, Anderson. Velarde goal. Oh, Velarde one? Yeah. I think he essentially just passes it to the guy. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not so good. And, um, you know, that's created a conversation around Vince Dunn. I don't want to see. Well, let's finish this game and then Vince we can Dunn have the conversation. 
you yeah. Risky oh stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. You you you'd short Penn stun if you were. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, oh, yeah. On an institution, uh, <laughs> Braden Shin and Ryan O'Reilly score goals to give us false hope in this game. Jordan Cairo gets an assist on one of those, makes a great play. Um, but Drew Doughty scores the empty netter late to seal the Blues' fate. And um, it's a 6-3 loss. I, You know, we look good in the third, but it's kind of a barn door horse already out in the field, you know, closing the barn door situation there. It's not <laughs> the a, doors, not the good, you know. Man, it's, those goals are so... They were good. They were nice goals. They felt, they felt like for a second there, I almost... Got yeah, tricked. It's the Vladimir Tarasenko yeah. syndrome. Game six against the Sharks in 2016. And you're like, you're oh. Like, oh. Don't do this Except to Except the difference here is that the Kings are actually a shit team. So I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe you woke up. That's true. Maybe we're going to have a real miracle on 34th Street situation <laughs> and here. And they had real time, too. I mean, that's two goals in under a minute. That puts them 4-2. Uh-huh. Right or what, 4-3? 5-4. Or 5-3. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's in the little box there. I always forget. I'm not going to read. And you think maybe with 13 minutes left, they at least score another one, Mm -hmm. pull the goalie, maybe score six and five. But I'm all surprised they weren't able to tuck another one in there. Um, This was a worse defensive game by the Blues, but they played better five on five, at least when it came to... uh, the second period there and the third period, as far as like Corsi four percentage is concerned, they're split it with the Kings five on five, 50 50. In the third, the Blues were up uh, 57% to the Kings 42. Um, and, they, and they had fairly even high danger chances. Uh, most of the high danger chances for the Blues obviously coming in the third, and with the Kings, they were coming in the first and second. But it's just, it's too little, too late. Um, again, you get four penalties against you you let in a power play goal um i don't know man it's like that's it's to me it's the same game they just the kings it's like the blues are the same and the Kings showed up instead or yeah they were like you know what i guess we'll beat the blues this time blues stayed stagnant kings changed their effort um and then we had a few people falling off a cliff on our end as well. 34 shots, in, or 34 hits in this game, 35 to 31 shots, but 34 hits. I think this is something the Blues do too often, where they think hits are a substitute for effort. Mm-hmm. And that ain't it. You know, I don't, I, I think our whole fan base tends to be make the mistake <laughs> that, oh, yeah. that physicality hard, is a substitute for skill and or effort which is one of the reasons jordan kairu has been a revelation to a lot of people and listen not neither of us expected him to be quite this good this soon but there were plenty of people that thought he was going to be an nhl bust and it's like no man because he's freaking lightning quick and Mm -hmm. makes really hard-nosed plays even if he's not getting up and cross-checking people on the chin but anyway you know the 34 hits number is just feels so empty in this game where you know that they weren't dominating the play they had you know, 46.9% Corsi, 1.69 of the expected goals at even strength. But again, four power plays uh, surrendered and 0 for 2 on your own power play. It's just, it's not good enough. And, you know, Vince Dunn looked terrible. He got sat in the next game. Was he going to be sat tonight? I don't know. I, didn't I don't know if anything. we knew enough before uh, the, you know, before the game got postponed. But... 
certainly there have been a lot of talks uh, about his future here. I know JR has posted an article and a tweet about, you know, hey, the Blues are, you know, I think Elliot Friedman even said, like, the Blues would move him, but they're looking for a first rounder, which is like, damn. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you can, I, I love Vince Dunn, but if you really can get a first round pick for him, I'm not going to be like furious if you do that, mm. you know. I give mean, me, give me a first rounder. It's, oh, this, this is an empty draft. This is like a weak draft. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Give me a 2022 first <laughs> yeah. rounder. Give me that. Yeah. Then, okay. then we'll really be talking. Um, it's interesting because, like, I don't think, I don't think his performance makes me think, like, let's trade him. Like, I don't think that at all. Like, oh, he's played so bad. Have to be out of here, like, or he's been. Yeah, I mean, it's enough. not like the team has been amazing, and he's just like a black hole. You yeah, know? yeah, and like, I don't think he's been so inconsistent over his time here, where you know the the lows outweigh the highs. I think the thing that weighs against him, though, is okay. Maybe you're a little inconsistent, and we're chopped full on the left side. Yeah, and we have Scott Prunovich, and we have Nico Mikola. There, Prunovich might be a little more closer to events done than say Mikola is, but like. We do have guys that can step up and play, and if we trade you, it's not a hole. Um, yeah. So that does kind of weigh against him, and it makes me wonder if they're just going to wait and see, mm-hmm. you know, what they have. Is Prunovich even playing? Like, he's not even he's playing. He's on the taxi squad okay. right now. Man, I don't know. I kind of wish he was in the in the uh, non-COVID world. I'd wish him, you know, he'd be in the AHL and playing. Yeah. So you can just see what you have, and then maybe that does inform you on whether or not you can trade Vince Dunn. But I do like that the Blues are saying, hey, a first or a comparable, you know, a comparable player in age at least. And to me, if you're going to trade him and you've got this glut on the left, I would hope they'd trade him for a forward. You know, I would hope they'd trade him for some young forward that we could, you know, that's Vince Dunn-esque, maybe they're up and down, but I think we have more room to have that um, on a forward line where we could say, hey, you try, you know, you try out uh, Sammy Blaze's spot, you try out Zach Sanford's spot, you know. Yeah. I love a young forward. Yeah. I mean, or, you know, if you're going to do it, look at something bigger, you know, get something with Dunn and Sanford and see... What Dunn, you can Sanford get in a third. third. <laughs> <laughs> third and maybe. we just got Nathan McKinnon hey, for that. Columbus Columbus understood. They at least threw in a third when they traded Dubois. They That's get, right. They get it. Sweeten the pot a little with that These third. guys understand. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm obviously a very big fan of Vince Dunn's as a player. Always have been. I think everything that we've said about him is true. In the sense that he's a very good puck possessor and a very good, you know, very fine man. man. <laughs> but, like, uh, everything you said is true. We're loaded on the left side. I, it doesn't seem like he has a very good relationship with Baruby or, you know, like, Baruby has a lot of faith in him. I don't, although then, like, Baruby was saying, like, yeah, we can play him anywhere up and down the lineup. Mm-hmm. And maybe Vince Dunn just honestly hasn't earned that. I mean, he hasn't this year. I'm willing to concede that point. But, like, at some point, is this guy being stifled by being here? Is it mutually detrimental Mm -hmm. to have him here? And, um, you know, I don't know. I I hope not. I'd love for Vince Dunn to still have a long Blues career. Um, 
you know, and, and be really productive here, but that's certainly not the way the arrow is pointing right now. Another Blues youngster uh, who fell on hard times in this game, Billy Huso, who got his first NHL start. Um, yeah, you, know, you know, shame on the Blues for basically abandoning this kid in his first NHL start. I don't think he looked particularly good. He looked fine at times. Um, but he looked shaky at other times, and some of those goals weren't good. I mean, some of them really weren't his fault at all, and some mm-hmm. of them weren't good. I don't know. It's just with with Huso, it's like, all right, if he's not an NHL goalie this year, I feel like the project's pretty much over with him. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's I don't know. I think he's twenty five now, which means you know there's twenty six next year, but there's no AHL for him to play in this year, and so like it, you know, by the time next season starts, he'll be almost twenty seven, and it's just like some point it's like, nah, you know, like maybe you are, maybe you've reached the peak and the peak is AHL okay goaltender. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes back to, you know, Finland or Europe and is probably pretty decent there. Um, it's funny. I was listening to our old, um, our podcast from the night that we won the cup. Ooh. Um, and it was funny because I think that was the one I was listening to. We were talking about Bennington. And we were talking about, man, remember this guy used to be a joke? And we've said it a billion times. We mm-hmm. just joked about his name and that was it. And then we were like, yeah, we just, you know, assume Huso would be the starter at some point. He was the next guy and he surpassed Bennington and everybody else. Um, and now it's funny that they're both on this team. And that if you asked me, you know, three years ago, hey, what's the, di- you know, who's starting? Mm-hmm. It would end up being uh, Bennington and not Huso. And Huso would be the backup. But, yeah, he just looked, I don't know, he looked kind of shaky. I can't I can't get a good read on him just because he has been in two just awful games defensively. Yeah. So you can't, like you said, you can't cast all the blame on him. Yeah. And it's a hard, hard to read him, but at the same time, you can just watch. I mean, you can just watch. It's not like, I get goalies are different than other players and not every fan's going to know exactly what to look for. I don't. But if you just watch them, there are just some ones where he just didn't look square to the shot. There was a point mm-hmm. where I know Pang was like, look at him step up there. He's really, he's like squaring himself up to that. And we're going to be like, Pang, I I think he thought he was going to see one thing. And then they showed them another. Because <laughs> I was like, no. Yeah. This yeah. guy's guarding the pokes. Mm-hmm. Like he had his body in front of the post. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence. In Billy Huso. I want him to prove me wrong, but every start we have, at least from this point on, that he gets, I'm going to be like, ooh, boy. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of time. Yeah, um, there's still... I, think that I, I do think the Blues need to get him out there some, mm-hmm. because you're just not going to know, and if you don't know, you kind of know, you know? It's one of those <laughs> situations where it's like, if you leave this season not knowing what Billy Huso is... Again, it's like you kind of know that he's not yeah. anything because you can't. He's just a project that's past its expiration date, especially because you've got to re-sign Bennington now too. On the other hand, on that note, I think Bennington, for the most part, has looked great. I don't think, you know, I've said this about him before. He's certainly not the god tier goalie that he was for the Stanley Cup run, mm. but I think he is at or I would say pretty healthily above average for an NHL starter. Mm-hmm. And listen, that's what you get sometimes. Not every team's going to have Andre Vasilevsky. 
Sometimes you're going to have Corey Crawford and you're going to like it. You know, like if you're good, if you're a good enough team, Corey Crawford is fine. That he won three cups, right? Mm-hmm. So or two, I guess, or was he behind the Emmy? Either way, he won a bunch of cups. He was part of a good team for a long time. You know, and and with due respect to him, I'm really not trying to insult him. He was just fine. He just wasn't extraordinary. He was just fine, and he got the job done. And he stepped up when it counted. And I think Bennington, you know, in the in the last couple of games he started, he's faced a ton of shots. Um, you know, he hasn't hasn't gone terribly for him. And I think other than that, you know, dust up in in Colorado, I think he's looked pretty good. So yeah, I was gonna say he's a. We generally just need to be a nine, like yeah. say like nine fifteen yeah, goalie. Yeah, of course. Looking up, he's nine thirteen right now, two point seven four goals against average. That's that's pretty that's pretty run of the mill and average. Yeah, but it's not by any means bad. It's just that's an NHL goalie. And, and if you subtract you need. Colorado from that, it's probably nine twenty or something. Yeah. You know, so yeah, again, like I like I said, you pay him four or five million a season for four or five years fine i'm fine with that then it's just settled and he's your goalie you know and and i want that i don't want it to be some weird situation where he has to walk after the even if he you know unless he just is like rotten Mm. i i prefer you know as much as i'm like don't sign all the cup people Mm. it'd be pretty weird for him to just be a canuck next year or whatever and be like and if he goes what are we going to do? Yeah, well, that's the other problem for sure. We <laughs> have to go trade that. back for Jake Allen or something to be like, hey, Jake, come back. hey, Mark, hey, you remember how you used to play for the Blues, old buddy? Um, we need Jake for a third. Yeah, uh, give us that, uh, maybe the Kraken will trade as a goalie that they draft. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I think the Billy Huso question and the Vince Dunn question is both of those are still kind of question marks. Um, I, you know, with Vince Dunn, I think unless somebody blows you away with an offer, you got to give him a few more chances to play and, mm-hmm. and see how he responds to that. Um, you made the point here. Scandella Falk look like our best pairing right now. Can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. Justin Falk has been a godsend this year and, uh, facial hair, uh, magnificent. Yeah. Um, looks like straight out of Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. Yep, straight out of our basement into Red Dead Redemption <laughs> and straight out of Red Dead Redemption into the NHL. He beat the game five times and now he's he left did. the basement. Yep, that's right. Um, and the fifth time, he 100%ed it, too. Oh, yeah. Well, and the third time, but we don't talk about the third time. It got too dark. Um, but yeah, uh, that pairing's been fine. Scandella, you know, we talked about him last week. It's not like I don't have strong feelings on Marco Scandella any, either way. Um, and I hope that I never do because I don't feel like I'm ever going to be like, yeah, Mark a freaking scandal. <laughs> so uh, I feel like my, <laughs> I feel like my feelings, my strong feelings on Mark Scandella can only go one direction. So I hope I continue to have mild feelings about <laughs> Mark Scandella. Um, a couple of quotes from this game that are interesting. Braden Shen on why the Blues lose game two of these series, which is a trend, but it feels like a bit of an early one to jump to. They're just three and three. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been talked about. We know how it's looking so far in that second game, the series for us. It hasn't been great so far. Uh, It is already, it's already been talked about, but we have to do more than talking. Yes, thank you. (laughs) We have to go out and fix it, and we are grabbing the second of the back-to-back. 
it's early. We've got a lot of them left, but we've got to fix that problem or else we're going to be a very average 500 hockey club. Thanks, Braden. He's not wrong. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly on letting Huso down. I feel responsible for that. Other guys do too. It was an opportunity for us to show him that we're going to have his back and play hard for him and give him some confidence. We made it hard on him and on each other, and that can't happen. He's a big part of this team, and it's not his fault at all. It's myself and a few other guys. We have to find a way to provide our best game in front of him. Ryan O'Reilly, stepping up. Always accountable. Alex, Alex Petrangelo would never blame himself. Mm-hmm. He would never take that. He Burton, touch he touched his face. Oh, yeah, which is probably how he got COVID. Boo. Oh, <laughs> oh, yes. Yep, this 100%. is, yep, right off the doorknob onto his face. Why do you touch your face? It's, that was, you remember when that was like the big thing about COVID? It's like, don't touch your face, don't do it. Deborah Burks was strong on that you one. You know I used to wear two masks? Apparently oh, that's like a real thing. Now, see, I don't know if I'll actually be able to do it with two masks. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but also, we're we're too deep into this thing now. Stop changing the rules. It is funny to hear that. Or, like, I'm all for being cautious and careful. When they're like, "Look, now you got to wear two. I'm like, "Nah, if I, get it, <laughs> if I get it, I get it. I guess." Yeah. Oh, that's on me, baby. That's I, on me. I feel like everybody gets to that point at some point. Uh, and then Craig Berube, yeah, uh, on the lack of effort. Yeah, but they're caused by attitude, in my opinion. Our attitude's got to be better. Again, we've got to pull together as a team. That's what it's all about. And we've shown it a couple times, and we've worked one hockey games. But again, the consistency is not there. Compete and work and all that. That's attitude. That's just all attitude. It's attitude, baby. And here's the thing that I really wonder at this point, the soup of this club has changed into multiple different soups. Long-standing soup you analogy. The, listen, soups. the cats know of this analogy back and forth by now. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> our listeners are cats and kittens. Um, but no, but I mean, is it just, does every team go through these stretches? And I feel like, you know... I shouldn't I, I shouldn't feel like the boys are uniquely bad about effort at times. Or is it us that are kind of like, hey, maybe we'll wake up and play hockey or whatever, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like... Uh, are we expecting too much? No, it's not even that. It's more like, okay, is it a consistently blues problem that we lack effort? Hmm. Or... Does every team lack effort at times, and we're just noting it oh, more because it's our team? No, they always do. I mean, it's our. I mean, also lacking effort is always the explanation when you lose anything. Yeah. So that's hard too. I think that's the thing. I think like, in this case, you can actually see it on the ice. Yeah, they're answering with just like a blanket statement that you hear every hockey team answering. You know, mm-hmm. look in the mirror. It starts with us. Can't you know? Can't let that goalie down. You know, gotta have his back. All that stuff. But it is. You know what? I don't even really think it's effort. I believe Barubi when he says, like, it's an attitude thing because I feel like, or it's weird that he says attitude. I believe him because he's the coach, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. I don't want to don't want to disrespect Chief here, but I really do think it's an execution thing, though, because mm-hmm. sometimes I just think they don't look like... The power play is execution. Yeah. That's not effort. That's execution. Maybe that's... it's just the fact that it's execution and that they're being lazy. Yeah. If yeah, that makes sense. They're making the lazy play. That's interrelated. Like the, the correct play. I think, I think what really, I mean, and it should honestly be a shame to them, but like, 
Jordan Cairo looks like he's playing a different freaking sport out there. And that listen, sad, I yeah. I love Jordan Cairo. I think he's going to be a, a big star in this league. Big. He's not freaking Connor McDavid. You know, he's not David Pasternak. Maybe he is. That'd be awesome. But like, he shouldn't just look head and shoulders as, as in his, what, like 50th NHL game. He shouldn't just look head and shoulders above the rest of your team. I mean, that whole line looks like... Yeah, and the whole line does, but like... Compared to any of our other It three. just feels like, wake up... I mean, in the in this game, the Don, or the Perron and O'Reilly and Samford line looked a lot better. Mm. Um, Robert Thomas looked a little better in this game. But it's just like, what's going on here? I know it's been such a weird year and a half. So, or not year and a half, I guess just year, but like it feels like a year and a half. And since winning the cup, I mean, if you factor all of that in and all of the turnover and churn in the roster and all of the COVID stuff, I get it. It's crazy. So I'm not like pissed off at this team, but same time, shorter season, weirder circumstances. You got to get this crap under wraps real quick, mm-hmm. you know, because you're also going into a summer with a an expansion draft and a ton of internal free agents and a ton of cap room. And so if changes need to be made, you need to figure out what those changes are. So it's just, it's an interesting tenuous season and it feels, you know, it feels like figure it out or, you know, again, I'd say like changes need to be made, but the team's already changed a lot. So like, what do you do? I don't know. Yeah. It just feels like they haven't really, they don't feel like much of a team right now. It feels like a lot of different parts and sometimes they work together and sometimes they don't. Put Kyle Clifford on the power play. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a Craig Ruby. Fuck it. He He punches people. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah, You're playing. You're going to be the setup man. Yeah. You you know, Kyle. You you want me to use my big body in front of the net, Craig? Nah. (laughs) I want you at the point. I want you dishing pucks from the point and then cycling in behind. That dude has to be like one of those players that's like, yeah, I get like eight points a season. But when I played in the OHL when I was 18, I was like a 50 goal dude. Like one of those things where like we got Kyle Clifford in the third or in the first round, but you know, he, his game didn't translate. So he said, Kyle, can you punch people? And he said, why not? Kitchener, Ontario native Kyle Clifford. I feel like we talked about that recently. Played for the Barry Colts. Oh, um, yes. 57 points in 58 games. So a point-per-game player, still good. Still good. Come on, Kyle, where is that? Where is that kind of production for us? Where you at, Kyle? Um, Yeah, he's a a player I still forget is on this team. Mike Hoffman's on this team. I'd rather forget that. I do forget that. (laughs) Um, But that game was what it was, and then the Blues enter the game against Vegas. This was... I w- this was one of the happiest nights of my life. I, I just so many things had gone. It was a good day for me, and then the Jordan Kyrie thing, and it was just like this is joy. This is pure unparalleled joy. Um, first game against Petrangelo, Samford and Pareko went up to the second power play unit. Thomas and Dunn got booted. Dunn got scratched entirely and replaced by Nico Mikola. Um, we talked about the Vegas coaching staff situation. That's obviously evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, your coronavirus threat has evolved into coronavirus presence. <laughs> um, 
And uh, Alex Tuck scores the first goal of the game's three minutes in, and you're like, it's over. Yeah, it's, it's done. done. <laughs> done and uh, and Alex Petrangelo get assists on this, which, you know, you don't want to see Kalesser. I guess, I know. You didn't want to see that Petro point, but maybe just rip the Band-Aid off. My brain broke because I thought when you were reading that that Petrangelo was still on our team for a moment, and you were like, Kalesser and Petrangelo get... You were like, who the hell is Kalesser? Like, how did he mispronounce, like, Ryan O'Reilly <laughs> <laughs> uh, but David Perron scores 408 in and then on the power play <gasps> he scores again uh, with assists from Krug and Schwartz that was great to see and then yeah. Schwartz scores again late in the, or midway through the second that first, first that first David Perron goal is oh. a real bad by Robin yeah not Ooh, great baby. not the that good one. Hot, yeah, indeed. Jaden Schwartz uh, also scores his second of the season, 10-10 in, and you're looking at a 3-1 lead. Nothing could go wrong. Nothing could go wrong. Everything went wrong. Max Pacioretty showed up. Uh, good get for them, I guess. That was a trade that worked out for both teams, mm-hmm. um, which is good. I like that. When it's not my team, I like that. Mm-hmm. I guess when it is my team, I like it. I like that the Flyers have two good prospects for Braden Shen. I'd like it more if they were busts. But um, <laughs> Max Pacioretty, Joel Faravia was like a league leader, I think, for like a minute oh, really? this season. Yeah, he had a ton of points in the first couple of games. Pacioretty scores a minute 42 into... The second period assist from Stone and Martinez. That was a sick goal, as I remember it. Nice passing from Stone. Stone's pretty good. He's mm-hmm. a league leader in points, too. Jordan Cairo, though. Oh, mm-hmm. The goal of the goal season, little. most likely, I gotta say. Oh, yeah. For us? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. The season could be over right now, and I think we've reached our goal. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cairo blocks a pass by Alex Petrangelo. Get, get Ben, Alex. Listen, listen. <laughs> I will eventually get over my ill will to Alex Petrangelo. When you're dead. But I haven't yet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, He chips the puck around Petro. Both players go chasing after the puck as it moves through the neutral zone and into the Vegas zone. Alex Petrangelo is cripplingly slowed by COVID-19. Kyra then outbattles Petrangelo for the puck and roofs the puck over Lanier's glove for the goal. Petro's reaction after the goal. As you said here, chef's kiss. Fantastic. Ooh, hang your heads, head to the heavens, Alex. The gods won't help you now. Uh, the gods are on Jordan Kairou's side. He's Greek. So, you know, the Olympians certainly are on his side because there are not a lot of other options in the NHL. And Andreas Athanasiu was in the last series. So, you know. There's only two of you. <laughs> exactly. He is a real Hermes. Um that was so delicious. It so I saw the Cairo play. I did not realize it was Petrangelo. For, so for me, it was like a bang, and then like two minutes later, another bang because the goal was insane. Oh, I yeah. mean, the goal was dope, and it was like okay, Cairo doesn't look like he's just gonna like turn back into a pumpkin at any mm-hmm. point. I'm sure he'll cool off because mm-hmm. he's a human being <laughs> at some point. But it looks like he's really arrived and like claimed. His spot in the NHL. Mm. Um, but then, you know, I see all that and I'm like reacting and then I hear someone say Petrangelo and I'm like, what? And then I look down and see the replay and it's him and I'm like, oh my God. So good. It was the literal literal definition of schadenfreude. I was taking joy in Alex Petrangelo's suffering and I still am. Not the COVID, 
get well soon, Alex, but not that soon because you got burnt and maybe you don't want to be on the ice some more. Maybe he's faking COVID so right. he doesn't have to play Jordan Kyrou <laughs> again. See, I was already sick, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cough on him, Coach. Um, people have seen Mr. Deeds who know the scene where the guy fakes the call-in of being sick, I think, like, from the parking lot or yeah. something. Uh, you know what I'm it's talking about. It's that same one. Uh, it was... It was really interesting because I kept forgetting that Alex Petrangelo's number was seven, uh -huh. and I think Martinez is 27. And so, yeah, people were like, it's Petro. And I was like, I think it's seven. Whatever the hell that is. <laughs> I kept thinking it was Nate Schmidt, and they're like, wait, they got rid of that yeah. dude. It's like, oh, never mind. Yeah, it's, I, Petro can't keep it in at the point. We all know this. Can't keep it we in. We all know this. <laughs> yeah. And he couldn't clear either. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, listen, I hope it's eight years of hell for the biggest Golden Knights. <laughs> I hope well, that, that contract. Hell yeah. Well, the start isn't going great. <laughs> I'm just saying. <sighs> didn't stay as fun because Mark Stone is an asshole. Uh, skates in front of Bozak in the neutral zone. Neither had the puck and raises his shoulder into Bozak's face. Bozak's face isn't so good no more. Uh, which is a shame because it was a very nice face good. before. It was very uh, Tyson Berry-esque. Yeah, I forgot. I you I He had long hair once upon a time. Tyler Flozak, as you mentioned. Lens. It was great, but he doesn't have it anymore. Um, he got called for interference, but this was a dirty as hell play. Second time this season where a Blues player has been injured on a play that didn't even get a discipline review. This was so scummy. Like, it was just... <laughs> It was just a shit play. I'm not expecting we With get, like, super the, low yeah. stakes, too, because no offense, but it's Tyler Bozak. <laughs> you'd done that to Jordan Cairo, I'd be pissed, but I'd understand. It's like, I don't expect you to throw the book at Stone, but it's like, at least, like, a game or a, a very least sort of fine, but he got nothing. Yeah. The NHL player safety reason was that uh, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the hit that caused the Bozak uh, injury. It was the awkward fall. Uh, Caused by the hand! Yeah, it's like, it's, the, it's oh, oh, it's stupid. That's a, that's literally a scene in Butch and Some Dance. That's how bad that that explanation is, is when, in, I don't know, you know the scene. Maybe you don't know the scene. There's a scene in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid where they're going to jump off a gorge into a ravine, and one of them says, I'm scared because I can't swim, and the other one says, can't swim? You idiot, the fall's going to kill you. That's literally what it was. It was that scene, except George Ferros was like, this makes sense. End scene. Fiend. Um, it's just... I don't know how else you can. You got listen. That. This league has. I'm. I wish. I almost wish this wasn't our players, mm -hmm. because it feels like it's just homerism. But this league has to frickin' decide something on head hits. It's Bell Let's Talk Day, by the way, mm -hmm. which we should always make a note of, and we both take very seriously. But. You know, brain health, literal physical brain health isn't quite the same thing as mental health, but they're very interrelated. Like, yeah, very, very close. And, um, you gotta... St the I don't know how you look at that and go, nah, I don't think so. I don't think that needs anything. The people that were telling me, well, they already did something. They gave them a two-minute penalty. I'm like, that's not the point. It's that you have to send a greater message. And the fact of the matter is, like, there, there's no... If Bozak did something funky right before Stone hit him or whatever, and they're like, oh, they were in a little tough before that, and, you know, boys will be boys. Uh -huh. and it's like, 
I don't see any of that. I didn't see any of the play prior either, and it's just Stone probably didn't like that Bozak stripped him of a puck or yada yada, and and he's done it all night or was winning faceoffs or whatever, and Stone just like stepped into him, and it's. Of course he falls awkward because he's looking at the puck and some dude just steps into him, like in front of him, into his, as they said, into his chest. But I mean, he's going up, he's hitting him in the face, he's hitting him in the chin, Yeah. he's falling backwards. I don't know, I don't know how it can be any more clear. I almost understood the lack of a, what is it, lack of a penalty or lack of like any supplemental discipline against, uh, who was it, Nishushkin? Uh-huh. Because it was like, okay, maybe he's going for the numbers. Oh, he slipped up. He hit Bortuzzo in the head. Oh, Bortuzzo pulled up a little too much. Yada, yada. Okay, you can give me that. And, at least and also, so. that's Robert Bortuzzo. Yeah, I know, that's true. I'm like, okay, I guess. But there's like no, like they literally were like, yeah, we saw what you saw. But it wasn't the hit that did it. It was the fall. I was like, wow. That's baffling to me. And listen, it's, it's also predatory. It's one thing... You know, I if you if you make a hit that's a clean hit, mm-hmm. and the head gets contacted, and it's a shame, and you know that you made a mistake. Like I got, I got some space for that, but this was a predatory hit from the beginning. He came to cause a Tyler Bozak pain, and whether you can always draw a line of like, well, nobody wants anybody to get hurt, and it's like, sure. But he didn't want him not to get hurt enough to not make the shitty hit. Mm. I just don't. I don't know how there's nothing. I really don't get how there's nothing. And again, it's if if you care about concussions, if you care about head injuries, you gotta pun. You just gotta be stricter about it. You just gotta do it. Mm. You know. And also, give out more fines. Pay that into the escrow. Boom. No lockout in twenty twenty eight or whenever. I solved the problem. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, eh, whatever. I mean, it's just dumb. But then, uh, Justin Falk beat his face in. So, really good moment for Justin Falk. I think he ingratiated himself to a lot of Blues fans, uh, as, you know, fist punching will often do in, in the St. Louis fan base. Uh, but a great moment for him, stepping up for his teammate. Really, I've always had the intention to, and I think that helps, you know, be the on-ice discipline for the off-ice discipline that never happened. <laughs> Uh, Pareko got called for slashing on Stone. 90 seconds later, Scandella gets called for cross-checking on Pacioretty. This is in the third period. It's a five-on-three. Uh, the Scandella call. Your thoughts, in the Scandella call? Uh, pretty weak. Pretty, pretty freaking weak. Yeah. I mean, what do they call it? Cross-checking? Uh-huh. I don't know. Pacioretty goes down, like, a ton of A breaks. feather? Yeah, just like, ooh, and crumples, and it's like, oh, boy, that's... I don't know how you can make that call. That's the one to make it five on three. Uh-huh. I don't know how you make that call for a five on three. You yeah. gotta expect those guys to have. You want them to have discipline. You don't want to play dirty just to because we're down a guy or whatever. You know, play make illegal plays. Right. But you also have to give them a little bit of slack. That feels that like feels that way. Like yeah. That's where you give them a little bit, and they're like, nope. Yeah. Yep. Max Pacioretty scores on the five on three. They don't score on the five on four, but he does score later at even strength to tie the game at four and solidify his hat trick. Um, this game goes into overtime. Overtime was pretty back and forth. It was fairly fun. Some opportunities on both ends. Unlike that uh, San Jose overtime that was total crap. And then we get the shootout, the worst of all outcomes for a hockey game. And the Blues win it with goals from Perron and Braden Shin. Um, 
Blues almost two to one outshot here. Um, 46 to 25, 62 to 37 on the um, Corsi 4. Once again, allowed five, six penalties. Uh, heavily outshot, like I said, high danger chances were pretty even, so I guess that's a positive you can take away here, but, you know, it's not a game where the Blues were clearly the better team. Mm, not at all. Jordan Cairo had the best moment. Jordan Cairo's a revelation. Let's talk about Jordan Cairo. Your thoughts? Does he have a ceiling? Does the ceiling exist? I, the limit does not exist. I, I mean, he's the kind of player that might not. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be... Whoa. I'm not trying to go crazy. I don't... But, like, what... I've been trying to think of a good comp for him. I don't even know who it really is. Because he's kind of uniquely fast and shifty. But also not lacking a physical... I mean, he's not a physical grinder player. But mm. he's got enough strength now... That he's added some weight to kind of hold off players like he did with Petrangelo and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, you know, how good is he? I don't know. He's He seems pretty darn good. He seems like he could be, you know, your 60-point guy at least if if he stays this good. Not this season, you know, in like a full season. Yeah, yeah. 50 to 60-point guy. Um, and if he's a solid top six winger, that's like incredible. If he's even beyond that, then, you know, more power to him. I think the one thing is, you know, how many, what's his kind of role going to be in terms of playmaker versus sniper, or is he really going to be a hybrid that can do both? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, right now, and none of this has really been on the power play, right? Because he hasn't gotten any power mm-hmm. play time. So sky feels like the limit i'm trying not to be too excited i know it's six games seven games mm-hmm. but it's just like again it's not like he came from nowhere right he was a phenomenal ohl player really good in the ahl in his you know weird times there um obviously the skating is off the chart so it's not like it's a shock that he's a, a solid nhl player it's just kind of quite how fast he's taken the world by storm. What are your thoughts? What do you think his ceiling is? I mean, honestly, I didn't think it was even going to be what we see now. Yeah. Really. I thought he was going to really kind of um, possibly have a ceiling of like a second, third line guy. Maybe mm-hmm. that's where he kind of falls back to. But right now, it definitely feels like he's top six for sure. And I think he just works really well with the, that line, like Shen and Schwartz, because they're kind of those two play off each other so well that you just need somebody else that works hard with mm. them, really. And um, Cherisenko does that, but he was kind of just his own unique player. They just got to put him in the right spot, and he can do a lot of magic with the puck on his own. And I feel like, in a way, that's sort of what Cairo is. He's most certainly not Cherisenko himself, but he fits this mold of, like, Jordan Cairo can do a lot with the puck on his own that you can have these two guys work off it and just have this weapon on the other side as far as speed's concerned. Yeah. You don't have you have two guys that can recover the puck and get it to Jordan Kyrie who can then make work his magic and get those other guys even open if they need to and be passed to. I think it's just a really good a good mix on that line. I think you put Kyrie with um you know, I like Robert Thomas, but you put him with the Robert Thomas and you put him with let's say uh, Zach Sanford or whatever. You just don't have someone that's going to work on that line to get Jordan Kyra the puck 
Um, in fact, right now, Jordan Kyrer's today's Jordan Kyrer might be the hardest working person on that line, on that fictitious line. He might even be the hardest working one on his current line, just because he's he's just a dog on it. I mean, the Schwartz goal in this game, I think it was, um, he should have gotten an assist on just because he was hounding Martinez or whoever it was mm -hmm. all over the place until Martinez coughed the puck up to Shen or O'Reilly, whoever it was, and it was just like. He just looks so different, and it's not even just... We've seen his speed before, but it's the commitment in the defensive zone. And I think yeah. if you can do that for Craig Berube, I think you're golden. Then I think yeah. you have all the opportunity in the world to do whatever the hell you want offensively, so oh, long as you're sure. not coughing it up. Yeah, and I made the point to you we were talking the other day. It's not just the highlight you know it's it, this game what you just said perfect example he has the one highlight real goal but he also gets an assist that doesn't even show up on the score sheet he had that point where he tracked back and like back checked and prevented a goal mm -hmm. that was pretty early in the season um it seems like every game he has three or four plays whether they wind up as goals or not where it's like oh crap this kid is like on mm -hmm. fire and really good and it's like it no none of this feels like oh it's a lucky streak you know like it may it, he may be red hot that mm -hmm. happens that's fine but it doesn't feel like he's lucking into things that he doesn't deserve or like isn't working hard to get his moments yeah. and stuff you know that play against Petrangelo listen as much fun as it is for us I wish Petrangelo is the damn Norris caliber defenseman and year after year after year mm. it's not like he just turned style you know I don't know freaking Nikita Zadorov or somebody like that's a really good defenseman that he skates out skates and out muscles because he didn't just speed past him mm. he they were fighting for the puck and he still won the battle and got out of there and got enough speed to get the edge and hold his ground and get the shot off. That's an incredible play. That's an insane play. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's just, it, you kind of, I'm trying not to gush too much about him because I know it is a young season, but damn, I didn't think anywhere. I mean, I have, I was pretty high on Jordan Kyra's potential and I, I wasn't even anywhere close to this, you know? So, uh, it's really exciting you know, you if you if you can see Robert Thomas step his game back up and be at that level, man, that's that's an exciting two, you know, young studs. And then if, you know, any of like Perunovic or Costin or or Dunn, if he can recover or whoever can kind of step in and, and be anywhere near that level, it's like, all right, well, we got another generation of this team coming up, you know, yeah. like we don't have to worry so much about the cliff if we've got three young studs that can be kind of there. Um, I do wonder, I mean, we talked about the Vince Dunn trade a little bit. It feels like this team maybe needs a trade because, like, it feels like we got, like, 11 guys for nine top nine slots. I don't know how close Tarasenko is. I haven't heard a lot about it. Yeah. But we're, we were talking. the month. Of yeah, interview, February yeah. was the day that it was the month he was supposed to possibly be targeting, right? Yeah. So if he comes back right now, you can't take Jordan Kyrie out of your top nine or top six, I would mm. say, which means that, um, you know, Zach Sanford's kind of a man without a country a little bit. I mean, that's definitely the one that gets Which, you, for sure. But then, like, Zach Sanford, what, goes to the third line, and then it's like Mike Hoffman goes somewhere. Like, if, if, Mike Ho if you're not trading Mike Hoffman as a rental or whatever, he's got to be on that third line because he's no use on a second line or, or on a fourth line or anything else. If he's finishing the season here, 
you got to play him somewhere, you know? Um, yeah. I think most likely then you'd toss, like, Bozak on the fourth line. Maybe, but then it's like, okay, but then even then it's like, okay, but then Sammy Boy is not getting yeah, minutes. And Tyler Bozak, sure, he's at the end of his contract. But, like, I don't know. It just feels like there is space to take some package of, like, Boy and Sanford and Dunn. Yeah. And, you know, maybe somebody else that you're not expecting as much. Because Nico Mikola, also a guy, to, to me, has proven that he's should be playing pretty much every game in your bottom. And if, you know, your third pairing left D. Oh, yeah. He looks, he's, he he looks, looks solid. Like he's not going to be a superstar, but he's just solid. You know, he's a good skater, fights hard. We need guys that fight hard right now. So... Good problem to have, especially in this weird season and COVID and all that randomness going on. Obviously not something you're like, crap, I got to get rid of all this depth. <laughs> but if there is an opportunity out there that makes sense where you can, you know, even if it is picking up 2022 first round picks, like that's supposed to be a crazy loaded draft. Mm-hmm. And maybe you, maybe you trade with, who's a team that's in the middle right now that's like, I don't know, the Islanders. And it's like, Maybe they have a crazy bad season, surprisingly, and it is like a top five pick. You never know. Um, and even if it's not, you got two first round picks in a loaded draft. I'm just saying, I don't know what it is. I don't. I know people. Yeah, seriously. I know people listening to this. Some people will freak at the idea of giving up talent for the future right now if we're supposed to be a great team. I'm not saying you do that seriously to your detriment. I'd love it if you get another young player. If we'd done it for Pierre-Luc Dubois, I wouldn't be complaining. I'm just saying, like, it's interesting to think about, like, where do pieces fall into place if if Jordan Cairo stays anywhere near this hot and Vladimir Tarasenko comes back. You've got some questions about players that are going to be on the bench or on the taxi squad, and you don't want to waive any of those guys because they'll get claimed for sure, and you can get value for any of Blay or Sanford or, or Dunn, you know, so Speaking you got to be thinking of, about uh, that. The draft, though, a real, as a quick aside. Yeah. Did you know, have you heard that possibly there's like an idea being floated around? This a is super draft? Said. Well, kind of, sort of, where they would basically do next year, they would do a draft Tell for me this more. year, because they wouldn't basically roll back. They wouldn't do a draft this year. The draft would be in the middle of the season next year for the players that would have normally been drafted Ooh, this summer okay. because they're not really playing right so now. They need more time. Yeah. And then they would do another, another draft. draft, but like to his proposal, a week later, like they would take a week off or oh. a week oh, and yeah. a half off <laughs> and do all this in Montreal or something and just do like two drafts. Give me a big old pile of cocaine and I'm there. I know. Put like, the wow. world juniors right in the middle. <laughs> Can you imagine though? That'd be like the most insane. Like especially, so you do one draft during the season. Oh shit, that's crazy. I can trade draft picks for like a guy I can use tomorrow in tomorrow's game. Oh. Like crazy. And then you have two drafts. Yes. I want that so Yes. Bad. Oh man. I don't want to wait that long for any draft, but man, if it's if that's the price I gotta pay. You, you have all your picks, let's say you have fourteen players that just boom in two weeks <laughs> in your organization. Okay, I'm I'm down for that. How would you even oh man. I don't even I'm, I'm so I'm here for it. it. I'm so here for it. All right. Uh your other thoughts on this game, because you got a couple notes here that are interesting, but I wanna let you say them. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Bennington uh, scored on four times this game, but 
he was way better than like what those stats. I yeah, mean, that's what those on goals forty-six. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like what, he's over a nine. What he's even is that? Yeah, nine percentage. something. Um, I gotta say, like, he made saves nine point nine one three. So yeah, that's, that's fine. Cool. He uh, he made saves that he had to make that night. Like, I mean, there were some that were in close. We were letting his glove. I'm surprised it didn't have a yeah. hole in it. But yeah. <laughs> we were letting. Vegas, and he was catching and trapping yeah, yeah. him too. It wasn't just you know. It wasn't making a he lot of. He didn't let a lot of rebounds no. go. Um, but yeah, Vegas was passing from below the goal line all night, like to right in the slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, our defense, of course, uh, on par with being atrocious as usual, couldn't stop any of these passes. And there was point blank shots over and over and over again. There was plenty of times where I thought, oh, "That's a goal. That's a goal," and he saved it. Um, I, again, like we talked about earlier, you take the you take the average good. You game take out. the bad. You take them both, yeah. and there you have. Yeah. Sorry. Christmas miracle. <laughs> He he looks good. He looks solid. He looks a lot better than he did in the bubble. Let's put it that way. Um, I have a lot more confidence in him right now, and it's 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 been good for him. I I like what I'm seeing from Bennington. And then just overall about this game, you know, it was a fun game to watch, but it wasn't a good game for the Blues. Like I know everyone's happy. It was shootout win. You're happy to see them beat Vegas, who like I forget what they said. We're like zero and four against Vegas or something like that. Um, which seems like stupid high to me, but I, I mm-hmm. believe it. That seems uh, right. And so it was fun that we beat them. It was a fun back and forth game. The Jordan Kyra moments there. Uh, we get close to uh, what Perron scored two in this. We get close to Perron hat trick. All good stuff. But at the end of the day, like the the metrics are all still shitty. Like we got almost <laughs> outshot two to one. Uh, we still had five penalty or six penalties. Granted, like we said. Some of these a little wishy washy, especially the Scandella one, but they're just it's not it's not good. It's not good overall. Um it's it worried me. I don't think tonight would have been a win. I really don't. I hope. Obviously the trend is that it wouldn't have been, but this is one of those wins where like when you're on a heater and then you start to come off your heater and you win you still win a game, but you're like, Oh, I see what this is. Yeah. I see this. This is a loss again. Except we've been back and forth and I saw I saw this game and it just said, Okay, we're gonna lose the next one unless we change anything. Um I don't know, it's I think that's what's frustrating about this team. Like again, we've only seen the abs that first abs game, um, where we're like, Yeah, this is like a clinical team and every other game has been like even when we win we're just kinda like, eh, <laughs> I see it in the sense that I don't think I've seen the game other than the Avs game where we look like complete and utter dog shit. Uh-huh. Like we don't just like, oh my god, what is this? But we're just kind of all over the place. Um, I don't know. I will say the one thing that seemed a little uh, concerning to me was just the fact that Ruby was already kind of like, I don't know what to tell you. I was like, I hope that's just you being tired of the media. <laughs> because yeah. I... I understand that statement, but from like a fan's perspective, I'm like you don't know what to say. You're like, yeah, I don't know. I guess we're just shit now. It's like, uh oh, okay. Yeah. Is Ruby run dry? Yeah, I mean that that bothers me real quick. I gotta get this out, and then I can talk about Ruby. I just glanced at a headline that said Maple Leafs Keith tells fans to watch out for Michael Hutchinson. It's like, yeah, because he sucks. <laughs> well, watch out. <laughs> 
Michael Hutchinson, you better watch out because this is not going to end well. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Ruby. I'll tell you this. We entered the season. We said, you said, you made the brilliant point. This season is really a test of a team's uh, coaches because you got all these back-to-back contests and who's going to make the adjustments and who's going to change stuff and, mm-hmm. and you know, how are they going to make these little shifts to win the games? Not great so far. Power play's not working. Defense isn't working. I'm not saying it's Craig Ruby's fault. I will say, and I have always said, I'm still not confident that Craig Ruby is a great NHL coach. Mm-hmm. And if he's... Listen... If he's just the player motivator guy, as much as you hate the Ken Hitchcock guys, as much as they're dicks, as much as you hate John Tortorella, as much as he's an ass, Ken Hitchcock's Blues team was fundamentally good all the way up until the point where they just quit entirely because they were so tired of Ken Hitchcock. Yeah. It wasn't this back and forth, dipping and diving and all of this stuff. If Craig Berube doesn't have a lot more to him than that fiery player motivator thing, that loses its touch a lot quicker because they've heard all the speeches before. And, you know, if the team doesn't have the internal motivation to go get that, it ain't going to go get got, you know? So I'm not, I'm not hard, I'm hardly saying go fire Craig Berube or even that we should consider that even any time this season. Um, But, my point is, like, I, I'm not, I don't think we should just, I think we're still in this phase as a fan base where it's like, well, Baruby's correct. Mm. And that's like, the, that's like the launching off point. Whatever he says is good. We agree with that. We can't question him. It's on the players. We start there. Whatever. And I'm not sure I'm there. You know, I'm not sure that I I don't question Craig Berube a little bit and, and have some questions about him. Not not to the point of, oh, let's give up on him, fire him, anything like that. But just like, hey, you should be able to tell us something. Like, mm-hmm. tell me something. You know, why, why does your power play suck? That's not all effort. You know, why is your penalty kill good? What that, that seems like it would be an effort situation. That's the one thing that is working consistently right now. We're taking too many penalties. Yeah, but like for the most part, the penalty kill, I honestly would bet we'd have one of the best penalty kill percentages in the league if you remove the Colorado game because we're like one for five or 0 for four every game, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, it's, I don't know, it's just one of those situations where it's like, I don't know that I have total faith in Craig Berube to be like, this is a guy is, is fine, you know, and and I'm not concerned about him because I am a little concerned about him. Um, the Blues currently rank 28th in power play percentage. Uh, let's see if per- penalty kill percentage is on here. The Blues are 15th, but if you take five from eight out of that, it's probably a lot better would be my guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway, um, that's my thought on Baruby. Do you have more thoughts about that game? No, I mean, it's, it's, I'm glad we won. It's too bad that it's the one we're kind of left with just because uh-huh. I really did want to see us come out. Seemed like there were unanswered questions yeah, from that yeah. game. And now we yeah. don't get to answer them. You know, I don't know when we play the Golden Knights next, but. It'll be interesting to see how they reschedule these. Yeah. 
I guess you'll just slide them in. Hey, maybe they do some three in a row, which would be dope as a fan. But the NHL hates that. I says, know. Says Elliot Friedman. He talks about it like, like I don't know. Oh, is this one of those Friedman things? Like, I'm just saying, watch out for that, because they hate it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so just say you they hate it, and it's I not going to happen. I've heard from people in the know. Some people really close to the that, top. That, Almost at the top, but say they don't like it. <laughs> that man doesn't realize sometimes that he's Elliot Friedman. Barry Schmetman said he hates Yeah, that's right. Uh, let's see. We got a Vegas... Uh, we got a week off before we play Vegas at the end of um, March. Maybe we play him in there. Anyway, I know that's not, the, that's not a concern. But, uh, yeah, I... I do feel like that game ended, that series ended abruptly, and now it's like, hey, like, we really needed that swing game that we've sucked in to have clean conclusions about this team right now, you know? Um, We haven't read these quotes yet, right? Nope. Okay. Uh, Craig Berube on the Scandella penalty. Scandella's penalty is a joke. Like, I don't get it. You keep going about your business, but come on. We're playing hockey here. Like, let us play hockey. I'm just tired of it. Going to the box six, seven times a night. Let us play hockey. It's a tough game out there. Things happen, but you've got to let them go. Um, David Perron said, I think the Scandy penalty, he outmuscled the guy. He's a very strong guy. I just think it was, I don't know if odd call is the right word for me to use. But I think it was not necessarily a penalty if we didn't get all the power plays before, and there's a couple we throw over the glass. Whoops. Um, And then uh, Justin Fox said on his fight, yeah, we didn't like the hit. I think there's multiple guys within our room that would have done it. It's just some things you do for teammates and move on. I just stepped up and tried to do that. You did it, Justin. We're so (laughs) proud of you. You can have one new Xbox game this weekend, Justin, from us, mm-hmm. from from Dad and Dad. Base Xbox. Yeah, oh, original, yeah, original Xbox. Xbox. We're going to buy it at GameStop. They got tons of money. Yeah, They're swimming in used games. <laughs> they bought... They bought Microsoft. That's how swimming they are. What if the guy from GameStop gets rich that he so rich that he buys a successful company and just owns that? <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly on Jordan Bennington. He hands down won us that game. I do think I know we already talked about this, but it feels like Bennington's like a quiet story mm-hmm. because like we aren't really focused on how good he's been because the team sucked. But other than the Colorado game, he's looked really solid, and I think he's he's proving you know kind of his medal here. So that's the Blues. Kind of ends on a on a cliffhanger a little bit because we just don't know what we don't know. We don't know how they would have performed in this game tonight, which sucks. But it is what it is. Um, Ian, are you short or long on the St. Louis Blues? I'm. Despite all of my, I feel like I've been very negative. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna say I'm long. I feel like they have more to give, and when they when they give it, they're gonna look good. If you're gonna go through a slump, do it at the start of the season. Yeah, and I guess it makes the most sense for this team because we've had personnel changes. We haven't. We have a new assistant coach as well. You know, we have mm-hmm. new people on the on the ice, and we didn't really have any practices. And I get all the teams didn't have any practices, but if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's no problem How many because do you they're need? all the yeah. same dudes. You yeah. signed them all back, you weirdos. Well, I mean, they really are suffering from the loss of Cedric Pocket. Oh, yeah. I mean, how are they ever going to fill that I hole? I never couldn't fill that hole with a gallon of marmalade. Uh, <laughs> you know, the old expression. Oh, yeah. I've heard that one. Uh, <laughs> 
Gallon of marmalade. What else do we need to talk about? Dubois for Patrick Wine. Yeah. Uh, Dubois and a third for Patrick Wine and Jack Roslovic. Is yeah. that how it worked? Jack Roslovic is coming home. Well, coming home. <laughs> um, do you think he got into professional hockey to get out of Columbus? He was like, take me anywhere. I'll tell you what I think about this trade. And yes, I do think that. I think these are three people all going to cities that they do not want to go to, but different cities that, from the ones they were in. I first saw this and I thought, uh, Jets got fleeced. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, eh, Pat, Pierre-Luc Dubois is pretty good. He's a center. And now I'm back to, Jets got fleeced. <laughs> Here's the thing. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a very good young player. Very good. Is he a true... NHL top-tier number one center. I mean, are you convinced? Not, He's not top yet. six. He's top He's six. He's a great second line. Guaranteed. Great. If, he, if, you have a, if you have a Sidney Crosby, he's a great Evgeny Malkin. I'm just not sure he is a Sidney Crosby. Mark Scheifele, really good. So right now they're fine. Look, they're a fine team. It's not like they're going to just get burned by this. The thing I wonder, though, there are... As, as valuable as top six centers are in the NHL, the only thing that is a rarer commodity is pure goal scoring. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Wine is number two to Alex Ovechkin, in my mind, in terms of just elite, elite goal scoring when he's really on fire. I don't... I, it doesn't make sense to me that it wasn't a one-for-one because one, I think Roslovic a pretty good player. That's the thing is like, like he hasn't gotten like, a shot to really develop in. Yeah, he'll be a middle six center for Columbus. Yeah, and it feels like he's kind of the wild card here because like, what if he developed? He was a former first rounder, right? Because I think it was our yeah. first round pick that we traded to oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Buffalo, maybe maybe in the Miller deal, and then it got traded forward to um, Winnipeg. Yeah, but like or something. yeah, but like um, it. He's the one where it's like, wow, if he's like a pretty solid middle six center, this could look like a dumb trade for the Canadian, for the Jets, especially if they're still the Jets. They can't necessarily keep Dubois there. You think he's going to be a lot happier there than, you know, in uh, Tortorella town? Well, that's the thing. So they said it wasn't a Tortorella thing, which I get as I'm just sure. saying it's not. But, God, you better hope it's a Tortorella thing. Yeah. Because if it's not, then there's no way he's going to be happier in Winnipeg. Like, A, I think Elliot Friedman on 31 Thoughts is like, well, people are saying that these are the same markets, but they're not the same markets because Winnipeg, no offense to Columbus, just there's enjoys hockey more. There's a bigger spotlight on them. Like, not that much bigger, if we're being honest. Like, of all That's the such Canadian a Canadian markets, bullshit. Winnipeg is a hellscape. It's a ruinous <laughs> hellscape. Nobody wants to be in Winnipeg. Of Nobody, who, nobody's ever stayed there. Nobody's ever signed there as a free agent. Paul Stastny tried to get out, and they forced him back. Listen, <laughs> I'm sure if you, I'm sure Winnipeg has fun stuff to do if you go there for a week in the hottest week of summer, which would be 48 degrees, <laughs> and you couldn't, you couldn't fly there because no air for it. There's fun things to do like heroin. But yeah, <laughs> crack cocaine. But, 
I mean, I, both of those cities suck. Yeah. And see, listen, St. Louis, if you're an NHL player, sucks. So I'm not like... But you got your gentrified areas. You yeah. Got your oh, for sure. Which I'm sure Columbus has woods. plenty of, too. Oh, yeah. Winnipeg, who knows? No. They got socialized medicine out there. You know, they're crazy. <laughs> so, um, Again, needles everywhere. <laughs> just everywhere, wherever you want them. Um, yeah, I... It, Line A, is he going to be a, a huge hit in Columbus? Who knows? Maybe both and maybe neither of these guys are ever superstars. But it just strikes me to me, it seems to me like Line A has the higher upside in terms of like... Saying. I think he's got the better chance. Yeah, maybe, he, maybe he's got the lower floor. Like, I think Dubois is like kind of your Ryan Johansson, where it's like, this guy's going to be fine. He's going yeah, yeah. to be better than fine. He's a solid top six center. Hmm. But Patrick Line has a chance to be the league's most elite goal scorer. And I think if you've got a guy that's already discontent and you have a chance to get that, you take your chance, you know. And I think I think Yarmo mm-hmm. uh, did pretty well here. Um, and you, you know, they, he got the question, was it hard to give up the number three overall pick from the whatever, 2016, 17 draft, whatever it was. Yeah. And he said, no, because we got the number two pick from that draft. And yeah. it's like, yeah. I forgot that. Is uh, that the McDavid draft? Yeah. Damn. Or no, no, no. No, it's Austin Matthews. Matthews, it's yeah, Matthews yeah, 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 yeah. Line a, Dubois. Dubois. And then Because like, they were like. Who's they been real good this year, yeah. I think. A revelation. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that guy that they forced out by their terrible mismanagement <laughs> are. I really hope Patrick Line. Um, I mean, puts it together. It puts it together in Columbus. He was doing just fine in Winnipeg, but like they showed that he can he can play more of a two way game. And I think you put him under Tortorella if he's committed to it. Um, I think you got I don't know. I think you got like a real superstar in your hands. And it doesn't sound like Line A. I could be wrong, but I don't think I've ever read anything where he needs the limelight. You know, he's got to mm. be in New York City. So in I think Columbus New York could be a really good a really good spot for him. I think too. There's been enough. Enough news surrounding Line A that maybe just being in a quieter market uh, is just helpful for him, you know? Puts up some big seasons, some quiet big seasons, <laughs> and then uh, makes his money. And I think Columbus is willing to, oh man, I don't know. I think Columbus is willing to give it out if it if it's, if it's he's producing at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It feels like... <laughs> It feels like there's only one team that has a chance to walk away like gangbusters from this yeah. trade, and it's Columbus. So, good. They're the ones that aren't in our division. I'm happy to see oh, the back yeah, of Patrick Wyna. Yeah. I will gladly take Pierre-Luc Dubois at the cost of Patrick Wyna yeah, in sure, our division. Buddy. Please, come on over. Um, but, uh, you know, I just think it's... I don't know. It doesn't bother me too much. I, I Seems like it's a trade that really worked out for Columbus. Maybe worked out for Winnipeg. We'll have to see. Jim Rutherford shockingly steps down as head uh, head general manager of the uh, not CEO. not the assistant general manager of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. I will say that his team the night before did fail to score on a three on zero in overtime, and then allowed the game-winning goal the other way. So that could have forced his hand. Because you know what I'm at. I had uh, Jack Johnson one year, and then I had Cody Cece the next, and that's too much. Jack Johnson wasn't enough for him to give up being GM, but Cody Cece was. Yeah. Sorry, Cody. 
Um, I, you know, I hope it's. I hope he's fine. I hope yeah. it's not a severe health. All, that's what I say. All personal stuff and aside, like I hope he's doing fine. And stuff. Yeah. If I'm a Penguins fan, oh, so I'm happy. happy. Oh, so thrilled. Like, so freaking you. thrilled. Did you see the list though that like the NHL or TSN oh, no. or whatever put together oh, like God. potential people? Oh boy, uh, Ron Hextall is the best oh, one. By wasn't far. he the Phillies? They can't do that. Well, they can't hire I mean. the Flyers guy. Oh, well, why not? Why not well, Peter? What Shirelli? about uh, what's Tom Verasso doing? Like, he's uh, Peter Shirelli. He was on the list too. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. <gasps> this league sucks. <laughs> Oh my god, this league sucks. You know what? This is the time you go out and get Pierre. I don't care. He, he was already been mentioned. That dude is always, always mentioned. Pierre Maguire, he won't screw anything up. Oh, um, uh, our, our old uh, Buffalo GM. Botterell was mentioned. Yep. He wasn't, he was like signed a, with uh, Seattle. There, wasn't he? Yeah, but he signed with Seattle, oh, didn't did he? Yeah, as an assistant. Not sure. Thought it was him. Let's see. I mean, I mean, he might have been. I'm sure if they came and offered him a. What loss was there? There's a list. I can find it. Killing time. Is this an old list? This must be old. What is happening? Mark Bergevin is on this list. Why? Bergevin is a close friend of Lemieux and was an alternate captain for the Penguins during Bergevin's final season as a player. Bergevin is currently under contract as executive vice president and GM for the Montreal Canadiens. We're off to a strong start, but, we'll, but he will certainly be a name to monitor. No, he won't. He's not like... Okay, boy, this list is rough. Um, They're yeah. talking about Bergevin jumping ship? Yeah, Jason Botterell, the former Penguins executive, that was would be viewed as potential heir apparent to Rutherford. Incredible, though, if he did, wouldn't it? He was just named GM of the expansion in Seattle, but in theory, that wouldn't preclude I thought he was assistant GM, here. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, assistant GM. Okay, okay, okay. No, at Seattle, he's not the head GM, right? Yeah, Ron Francis. Okay, GM, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. But it doesn't preclude him from the job here, Stephen. Pat Brisson's there because he's a super agent. Peter Shirelli, Matthew Darsh, Chris Drury, Dean, Dean Lombardi, of course. Dean Lombardi doesn't have a job ever since he got asked with the Kings. Pierre McGuire, Dale Talon. Oh, oh boy, man. this is a shite oh, show. Well, why'd they put Kevin Weeks on here? Cool. Go for it. The former NHL goalie and current NHL network personality was in the running this past offseason for GM job in Florida. Really? Which ultimately went to Pittsburgh native Bill Zito. If Weeks were to be hired by the Penguins, he would become the only active black general manager in the league. Has there ever been one of them? Am I blanking on someone famous for the last 10 years? Black GM? Yeah. I don't think so. I can't think of anyone. <laughs> Brett Peterson? Do you got a Brett Peterson? <laughs> but he's the first black assistant GM, and he was only hired Recently. in 2020. So this isn't promising. Wow, this is a real, uh, this is a real bachelor God, situation. God almighty. Oh! Make it Kevin Weeks. At least that's interesting. Make it a woman. Make it a black woman. Break them all. Make it a black gay woman. Just yeah. break them all. <laughs> That's what I said. If you want to be woke. Uh, yeah, that's right. Be the most woke. Because nothing screams woke like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nothing's one screams rogue like a good old steel town. Um, ju- you know, seriously, do wish the best to Jim Rutherford. Hope he's you know not struggling with a health crisis or something. Yeah. But again, I would be so relieved if I was that team. But maybe not if those are the possible replacements. <laughs> oh. Imagine getting rid of Jim Peter Trevelyan. How? How? I would rather I don't. What's the guy Ryan Miller who we just promoted? T- take him. I'd rather it, if I was anyone. I'd need no credentials. Any person off the street. Sid Crosby. Sid Crosby. Listen, you can trade for Jack Johnson again. I mean, we don't care. Get uh, whatever, but just be the general manager. What do you think Bill Armstrong's thinking right now? Oh, he's pissed. <laughs> he's so like, pissed. <laughs> His team is going to be first overall pick, and they're not going to have it. They're not going to have that pick, Ian, because they forfeited their pick, and that's not his fault. Can they just toss it back? Well, yeah, I think that's how it works. There you go. Pay it forward. Um, Is there there hockey news we're forgetting? Um, Not that I can think of. I mean, there's been a couple different teams that have had to postpone games that are now back in the thick of things, like Dallas. Ooh, Lafreniere got the OT winner for his first goal. Who did they pull? The Sabres. Oh, poor Sabres. Gonna have to watch that after this game. I'm a big uh, Lafreniere fan. A lot of people haven't heard of this kid, but I'm a big fan. Right now, Washington leads the Mass Mutual East Division. I was gonna say, uh, look at the uh, Boston and Philadelphia trail with 11 points apiece. Pittsburgh in fourth with nine. Buffalo fifth, eight. New Jersey seven. New York Islanders, 7-6, and the Rangers all the way down at the bottom at 5. I don't know if these have updated after tonight's game. Montreal in the Scotia North is uh, a real good team this year. I think they might win that division. Toronto following them at 12. uh, Winnipeg at 10. Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, and Ottawa with three whole points. You go, Ottawa. And one win. You'd think they'd be a little better than that. Vegas has 11 points. Colorado and Minnesota both have 10. Minnesota red hot this year. Kirill Kaprizov, the real deal. James Neal, except better than James Neal ever was. <laughs> the Blues are dead cin- central in that division with nine points. The Kings have eight. The Ducks have eight. John Gibson is an ungodly, unholy, incredible form. And... um. He needs to get off that team. Yeah, he's not so good. What a waste. Uh, or that they're not so good. Arizona, seven, and San Jose at six. So they're terrible, too. Columbus, nine points. Dallas, eight. Nashville, eight. Florida, seven. Tampa, seven. Chicago, seven. Carolina, six. And Detroit, five. That division just reeks of mediocrity. Well, like, except Dallas has four wins in four games because they've only played four games. So good for them. Yeah, it's like that's the weird thing. I was like, why do the Jackets lead with three, two, and three? But that's because they've played eight. I mean, the Stars are in second, but they've only played four games with their four and oh. Predators four three in seven games. Yeah, and the Panthers have only played four games and they're three oh and one. So that's not yeah, bad. Yeah, so that's their first uh, in Panthers history that they've started best season three and oh. Wow, that's both cool and very depressing. I'm a little sad that the Blackhawks have won two games. Uh, I thought maybe we could stick it to zero for longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a little unfortunate. Red Wings, 2-5-1, way to be. Go Red Wings. Go Mort Sater. Go all those people. So I think that's an episode. We have that's more to right. say. Buy Folks, GameStop stock. Do it. Don't listen, sell. First, Hold first, the line. First of all, let me say, 
all trading involves a substantial risk of loss, and the Two Guys One Cup podcast is not qualified to offer financial advice or assistance. But yeah, go do it. <laughs> what exactly. There's a risk, uh, and then oh, whatever. I can go on forever. If you like, if someone tells you you sign like a risk form, right? Uh-huh. For uh, I don't know, skydiving, let's say, mm-hmm. and you jump out of the plane. And somehow, I just, you would never do this, you would jump out of the plane, and the door's like in front of where the like side propellers are, let's say. Mm-hmm. And you get chewed up by the propeller and you <laughs> die. And someone's like, that's unfair. That just can't, yeah. this is unfair. How could this be? We gotta put that, we gotta make sure that doesn't happen. We gotta ban that sort of thing. But this was part of the risk. And you might say, no, the risk was me hitting the ground and dying. No, no, no. The risk was just the risk. The risk of jumping out of the plane, anything that happens to you from there, is the risk. Uh-huh. So now, if you were to say, I don't know, short of business, and then, yes, a bunch of people on their computers decide, fuck you, and they buy all the stock that's causing you to lose money. Not, not great for you, I understand that. But also, that is the risk. <laughs> Listen, folks, real quick, let's, we got a lot of thoughts on this. The hockey talk is done. It's so if you don't want to hear about stonks... <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. We'll That'll see you next week. But yes, everything you said is right. I have so many opinions on this. And I will warn anyone listening. I hate everybody involved. <laughs> but this is the most fascinating oh, thing so that has ever happened in our lifetime. We had four years of Donald Trump as president. And this beats it all. I don't <laughs> care. You, you say what you want. This is insane. This is trolls changing the face of public finance in the United States. This is next level I stuff. It. it blows my mind. These hedge funds, for, let me say this one thing. The hedge funds at the at the start of the day were correct. GameStop is a garbage oh, company yeah, yeah, yeah. and shorting it was the proper decision. So I do kind of, I mean, listen, they got in this deal but they're gonna be fine they'll be bailed out because they're hedge funds because this is what happens because they just don't they They have no risk they ultimately it's just like you know whatever you're back you know money (laughs) but this is nuts these people made this happen it's like it's like a it's the storming of the bastille (laughs) except the bastille is wall street you know one of my favorite things is if you go to market watch or you go to whatever, whatever, any of these financial sites, they have all these stock photos of traders on Wall Street just going like, ah! (laughs) You know, like, they just got all these stock photos of traders running their fingers through their hair and like, what's happening? And like all these, it's just great. So anytime this sort of thing happens, you got to look it up. It's a lot of fun. That's what I mean. You got to enjoy it because, yeah, we'll peter out and they'll whatever and and Phil will just be over. But, like, it's so much fun to follow and watch. It's so, I mean, I want to go. I just want to talk. I don't, I've, we, we don't have to belabor the point. I want to explain short selling because I don't know what it is. But anyway, I love it. I love, I love, I mean, I hate it and love it at the same time. Did you, did you ever watch, um, like, Twitch plays Pokemon? Like, six or seven years ago uh-huh. they literally all like i forget how it worked but there was literally pokemon on twitch and people had to like type in commands and they like voted on it so it was basically like a thousand people or more i could be getting this all wrong but like controlling <laughs> controlling this game 
and they won. Mm-hmm. Like Twitch is a community beat like Pokemon Red or whatever. Oh, nice. Because for like a week it was like the thing. And this is that times a thousand. <laughs> this is oh my god. So Robin Hood. Oh, bad move, buddy. Robin Hood literally named themselves Robin Hood. (laughs) And today, they were Prince whatever the shit. I don't... What a wild decision that was. I liked all the other companies that I, were coming out like, you can trade with us, though. And I was like, yes, you got to feed off of this corpse. That yeah, and did you see, listen, it's a new administration, you got to get your feet under you. But did you see the clip from the press secretary, Jen Psaki, today, where, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, I'm sorry, I, no. I'm not even trying to be political, but someone asked her, hey, Wall Street is on fire, <laughs> Any ideas? And her answer, I'm not even kidding, was, well, I would like to remind you, we have the first female treasury secretary. That was the whole answer. That was it. <laughs> yeah. it, what, it didn't even really go there. It was just like, change the subject. I don't want to talk about that. We can't Oh, boy. It is nuts. Um... I just, it's so crazy. I don't know. It's, it drives me, it, I love it. I love it. It's terrifying. It's all the good stuff in life, you know? It's, I want a little crazy, it's man. deeply, it's deeply like wild. It's just like, huh. <laughs> so, so this internet thing, it, it ain't got no limits. <laughs> <laughs> they had like a, a meme where it's like, yeah, day 14 of lockdown. It's like, oh, I think I'm going to learn how to crochet. And it's like day 336. And I was like, Reddit's taking over the stuff. <laughs> I like any time that an old person has looked me in the face and has to ask, like, so, I heard that this thing Reddit is, like, buying stocks, and I'm like, oh, I love it when people yeah. ask me about Reddit. Oh, it's so sweet. Life. Yeah, I don't even know, I even I can barely explain Reddit. Well, it's a bunch of people, I think, most of them are terrible. I think tomorrow's the day the shorts actually come due, too, so, like, it could spike again. I'm, again, not, all trading involves a substantial risk of loss, and we are not qualified to offer financial advice. We are not a broker. Consult with your broker. But I could be, it could be huge again tomorrow. This is nuts. And the, are they going to regulate it? They have to. Because this could happen at any time. As long as the interest rates is zero, mm-hmm. these, these fuckers could do this to anything. <laughs> There's no stopping them. This is like... The Wild West This is baby. like some hacker movie turned, merged with Godzilla and came to life. This is insane. They could do anything. They could screw up anything. <laughs> and I love it. And hey, <laughs> I like that it's brought together. It's like brought together two political parties in general. This is unified. Like, you can't regulate this. Yeah. This is a free market, says everyone. Yeah. I love, yeah, for sure. It's like, I saw somebody today say, this is the only thing Ted Cruz and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have ever agreed on. <laughs> but it is, like, it's weird, like, I, it's almost a little cathartic for mm-hmm. the U.S. for everybody to be like, wait, what the hell? Like, none of, no, nobody in this is a political party, so we can't even be mad about politics right now. It's finally right. We're finally uh, looking at the rich. Yeah, exactly. Um... If anybody out there made a ton of money, just throw a couple pennies. We, our way, we could use new mics, you know. We'll call them the hedge Whatever fund, 
Nickerson at fun mics because I know Gift Jeff. Oh, he's got. Oh, he's rolling. He's got the two million or whatever on this. He's, yeah. yeah, he's rolling and freaking. He's spending it all on corgi, corgi clothing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> corgi, and he bought just seven Adobe suites that he will not <laughs> use, just to, just to monopolize him, Jeff. It's not a scarce resource. Anybody, you pay <laughs> for it. <laughs> That's so gonna try to make his computer blow up. That's right. Um, but at least the corgis have flak jackets. That's, that's correct. Ah, oh, adorable corgis, folks. Adorable. You'll never get to meet them, but they're great. Uh, no, it's just it's insane and whew, wild. It's wild. It's wild. So, folks, trade carefully. Be smart. Go make some money, and then donate it all to the new guy. One cup. Podcast. Not this one. Our ironical one. It's really struggling. It's in the toilet. Go save it. Please. And speaking of in the toilet, that's actually the title of the latest. <laughs> <laughs> we put uh, a lot of effort into that. Yeah. <laughs> With the sound effects, we're not pleasant to make, but we made them. All for you. So, uh, with more of our analysis over there on Two Guys One Short. You know, you can check out our, our crochet podcast, Two Guys, Two Needles. Um, two Guys, Four Needles, I guess, if we're both our, crocheting. Our <laughs> and our Winnipeg podcast. <laughs> it all ties together, folks. Uh, you know, we took, you know, the, the little people won beat Wall Street this week. I don't know. We did it. There's the one we all... I didn't do anything. Doesn't it feel it. like ever, like we have some sort of ownership? Because yeah. just because we've been on Reddit before, it's like, <laughs> hey, this is... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, enjoy it. And uh, don't regulate it, because regulating is bad. Yeah, don't regulate it. Uh, and with that, I guess that's it. I guess we're done here. Anything else you want to say? Hold the line. That's right. January 28th. Uh, the line could be held forever, so just remember that, and we'll talk soon. Good night, everybody. Bye.